We'll hear argument next in number 91-2012, Jackie Holder versus E.K. Hall. Mr. Murphy, you may proceed. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case involves a claim that Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act requires Blakely County, Georgia, to enlarge its current single-member county commission to a five-person commission. Our position is that the Act cannot be read as authorizing federal courts to alter the size of governing bodies. Instead, the existing structure of state and local governments, the number and types of offices, must be taken as a given, a basic assumption. Thus, while the method of election may be a cognizable claim, changing the size of a government to prove a voting rights violation is not. Well, now, that means that if, for instance, we had a situation where most counties had, or some counties had three-member commissions, and others had five-member commissions, that if, if minority voters in a three-member commission uh, county sued uh, under Section 2, seeking uh, a five-member commission, you would say that, as in this case, uh, Section 2 just doesn't cover it. Your Honor, our position is uh, not that Section 2 doesn't cover a claim. Our argument is that Section 2 cannot be read as authorizing federal courts to change the size of the government. The courts must look at the existing structure when analyzing a Section 2 claim. I suppose there were a commission, a county commission of five commissioners, and it was shrunk to three, allegedly causing a dilution. Uh, would there be a Section 2 remedy for the court in that instance? There would be a remedy under Section 5. That change... No, no, I said Section 2. If, if there were a lawsuit seeking to change the size of the government from five... No, no, my hypothetical is that the commission, as constituted, has five commissioners. It is then reduced to three. Is there a Section 2 violation if it can be shown that there's a dilution? If there was an intentional reason to dilute minority voting strength because of the reduction, yes, there would be a violation. It would, in my opinion, be a Section 5 claim instead no, of a Section 2 claim. Not suppose, it's not a, suppose it's not intentional and it's not covered by Section 5. Suppose it's not a Section 5 jurisdiction. If there has been a retrogression of minority voting strength and minority votes are diluted by virtue of that change by county government, then there would be a Section 2 claim. So, so that the overarching proposition that Section 2 does not apply to changes in the size of a governing body has at least one exception in the case that I put. No, sir. The county has not tried to change the size of the local governing body here. There has been a group of private plaintiffs 
have filed a lawsuit seeking to change the size of a local governing body. Our position is that the intent of Congress in writing Section 2 was not to guarantee election to office, not to guarantee proportional representation, but simply to question whether the existing size or the existing system dilutes minority But I, I just want to make sure what your, your proposition is. I thought that you'd stated at the outset that Section 2 is not applicable to changes in the size of governmental entities. And I put this hypothetical designed to test that. And I'm still not sure of your answer. Your Honor, Section 2 has not... Section 2 addresses the method of electing persons to office. If there were a change by the government from 5 to 3, and it could be proven that there was a dilution of minority voting strength as a result of that, then there would be a, a claim under Section 2. All right. Then the courts are, in that instance, interfering with a governmental decision as to what the size of the government body, governing body ought to be. That is because the governing body has made a change in the size. In our case, the governing body has made no change in the size. Is it just the difference between an act of omission and of commission? No, sir. I, I don't agree with that. It is not... I don't think an act of omission is the same as an act of commission. There was one case from Carroll County, Georgia, in which there was a change in the size of the uh, county commission from three to one. And in that case, the plaintiffs were able to prove an intent to discriminate and to dilute minority voting strength as a result of that. That is not the situation in our case. Is it your position that in a, in a multi-official district, uh, if, the, if the lines were not redrawn, let's say, uh, that uh, there never could be a dilution claim. Let's assume you had a county uh, with, uh, that elected three commissioners. Its population had been static for the last 50 years. Uh, is it your position there could never be a dilution claim brought uh, uh, against, uh, against that county? Under the, the preconditions set forth by this court in Jingles, in order to bring a vote dilution claim, you must meet three preconditions. Well, I, I, let me interrupt you if I may. Maybe I don't understand you. I thought you were taking a position uh, that, there, uh, that there could be a, uh, a, a challenge only if there had been some change by the, the county in the manner in which the, the electoral district was established. Was I wrong on that? There, there, can be a there can be a challenge regardless of whether there has been a change or not. Our position in this case... Well, why, why is the case different in a, in a multi-official district uh, than it is from, from a, uh, the district uh, before us, where there's only one commission? Well, in the district before us, we're talking about a single-member district, yeah. which is the smallest political unit from which any elected person can... Well, I, I grant you that, but if change by the government... Uh, in, the, uh, in the manner of disposing of its authority is not a precondition in non-single-member districts, why should it be a precondition in a single-member district? There's nothing magical about this being a single-member district. The question is... Well, if there isn't, don't you lose? No, sir. The question here is whether Congress intended under Section 2 to authorize federal courts to judge the governmental structure, not as it presently is constituted, but as it might be in a hypothetical model. And if we have three or five or seven or one, 
it doesn't matter how many members you are electing to office, minority voters could always come in and say, in our five-member commission, we are in a minority, we can't get elected, but if you increase the commission to 10, then we have a chance to have proportional representation. I thought you gave that away already. I thought you said that, that you could compel a change from three to five if there had been a certain change in the demographics. Our position is the court, when it is analyzing a Section 2 claim, must analyze the claim according to the existing governmental structure. It presupposes... You, you, you've conceded that you can look to the way it was. Let's say you go from five and shrink it to three or even to one. You can see that there could be a dilution case that plaintiffs could win by showing the way it was when it was five and the way it is when it's three or one. So you can compare what was to what is, but you can't compare what is to what will be. Is that? Exactly, Your Honor. In order to... Well, why, why, why not? Because the, the statute, when you talk about changing governmental structure, you're talking about local voters voting to change the way their county is operated, whether it be by one, three, five. And in the cases thus far, there have been changes in the size of the local governing body. And the courts have looked to see whether there was an intent to discriminate because of the change in the local governing body. Well, there wasn't a well. change in the Houston lawyer's case. That was a case of voters seeking a change. That was judges elected uh, countywide. In the um, judge, Your Honor, and this court appeared, at least, in Houston lawyers, to reject the kind of blanket exclusion from Section Two that you're urging. Houston lawyers, I do not believe, involved a challenge to any uh, district that had only one judge. I believe all of the judges in Houston lawyers were from multi-member districts, so to speak. Well, there were a number of judges elected by the voters countywide. Each judge was voted on countywide by the voters, right? Some of those counties, uh, all of those <coughs> counties had more than one judge. There were yes. three, from, mm -hmm. three up to 59. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Each one elected countywide, right? That's correct. Yeah. What's the distinction? What is the, the principle for your distinction? I, I don't get it. The distinction here is, is not that a sole commissioner form of government is not subject to Section 2. Our argument here is that, a section, that the sole commissioner form of government does not dilute minority voting strength. Everyone in this county votes for one representative for the entire political jurisdiction. Every person's vote. Well, you can people. say that whenever the the the, uh, the the government, for example, goes from a multi-member district to a single-member district. If that's true, you'll never have a dilution claim in those cases either. Our our case already. But will you? You'll never have a dilution claim in those cases on your reasoning, will you? Would you repeat the question, Your Honor? Well, if, if, the, uh, if, if the county, for example, decided to go from a, a, um, a multi-member district to three single-member districts, and it did it uh, in a, in a uh, carefully crafted way that would exclude any minority election on your theory, there never would be a, a dilution claim in, in that kind of case. In that kind of case, you would have a Section 5 preclearance. Let's, let's assume that somebody is asleep under Section 5. The question is whether you've got a Section 2 claim, and on your reasoning, you would not have. Isn't that true? If the method of electing judges 
violates or dilutes, or electing any representative dilutes minority voting strength, then you do have a claim. But on your reasoning, you never would have a dilution claim. Isn't that true? My reasoning, my argument here is that when you analyze a Section 2 claim, you don't look to, you look at the existing structure. You cannot look at what might be. You cannot well, This just goes back to Justice Ginsburg's question. Why not? Isn't that what we usually do? And if so, why don't we do it here? Your Honor, the reason we don't do that here, number one, in this case, we are looking at a single-member district itself, which is the basic political unit. We're not looking at, at a multi-member structure here. We're looking at a single-member district. But you considered that if you went, if you had a system of five, and you went to a system of one, even though it was only one, it might be a Section 2 claim of voter dilution. If minority voting strength is diluted by the Even though you end up with one, and you, you conceded that the, you, the test of the if is to compare what was to what is. So we're now back to the, since you can make some comparison, why can't you compare what will be? Because I think we're talking about two separate events here. We, simply because you might be prevented from going from five to one doesn't mean that if you already have one in place, the court can require you to go to five. The proviso in Section 2 is that it is not designed to ensure proportional representation. If you have 25 and you reduce to five and you dilute minority voting strength, that would be a Section 5 violation. That doesn't mean, on the other hand, that you, the court can take five and require a county to go to 25 in order to assure a, an Asian district, a Hispanic district, or a black district. How many, how many counties are left that, ha that have this system? It's, it's dwindling, isn't it? It's, I believe it's 14. 14 are left. And is it, is it so that Georgia is the only state that has a single commissioner? Yes, Your Honor. What, what, how many have recently changed, you know, from? Um, I think from the time we filed the petition until today, uh, five have changed either by settlement of uh, voting rights litigation or by county election to change. May I ask another sort of more basic? Let's assume you have a history with just one one commission as you have. You never had anything else. But assume that, and contrary to the facts in this case, assume that there was overwhelming evidence that the reason that they had maintained the single-member district, or single-commission form of government, was to prevent the uh, black voters from having an opportunity to elect a, a representative. Let's just say there's abundant evidence of intent, and that's why they uh, lost the last uh, election when they tried to change it and so on and so on. Would that be a violation or not? Your Honor, that uh, hypothetical question probably would go more toward a constitutional claim than it would a Section 2. No, I understand we, it might violate the Constitution. I'm asking if it violates Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act does not address difficulty to elect. It addresses an equal opportunity. You mean that you could tell me in a very short, two different words, yes or no, probably either one of those, would I'd find out what your position was. If you can prove that during the time that this sole commissioner prove system... That from 1865 to today, they had this government for that very reason and no other reason. 
And that was the purpose of doing it. Section 2 violation or not? Yes, but that what is not our argument here. Our argument is that you... Your answer is yes, that would be a violation. By virtue of, of the method of electing, I'm not saying that simply because you have a sole commissioner, you are violating oh. Section 2. Oh, I understand, but you, you do seem to be willing to acknowledge that if it were motivated solely by racial animus and discriminatory intent and all the invidious language we can put into it, that situation uh, would constitute a violation of Section 2. Your Honor... If you also prove the three, three jingles factors. If you also prove you the three prove jingles those. factors, which is my argument exactly in this Which is question. impossible, you say. It is impossible. So therefore, it would not be a violation of Section 2. Simply because it exists... Right? Isn't that your position? It is not diluted. <laughs> so why don't you say it would not be a violation? It's perfectly awful. It's horrible. There may be a constitutional remedy, but it's not a violation of Section 2. Isn't that your position? Otherwise, I haven't understood your briefs. Yes, sir. Okay. That is our position. Having one person elected from one jurisdiction would not violate Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Even with the kind of intent I described? You've changed... Yes. Justice Clay has persuaded you to change your... <laughs> <laughs> That's correct, isn't it? You did... I have changed my answer, before yes. Before you had a little help. Yes, sir. Yeah. Not if, you, if you've always had it, it no, can never be a violation. But if you change to get a one-member district, then you could have a violation. The change could be a violation. Simply having a one-member district is not a violation. But I agree that changing, if you have intent, could be a violation. But well, how, can, having how, can you, how can you satisfy the Gingles factors after a change but not be able to satisfy the Gingles factors before a change? I think... One-member district, same factors. What's the difference? Okay. Because in our case, there has not been a change, number one. Number two... No, but that... That doesn't respond to the question. I, I thought you said you can never satisfy the Gingles factors when you're, when you're uh, dealing with a dilution claim on a single-member district. And, and you've just said, yes, you can do that if there's been a change to a single-member district. Uh, and I don't see why that's consistent with your position that Gingles can never be satisfied in single-member cases. Well, Gingles... Gingles' three preconditions require that you have compactness and numerosity in a single member district that you have political cohesion and racial polarization. Okay, can you voters. satisfy that first factor uh, in a single member district which is new as opposed to one which is old? You, ca you cannot satisfy that in an existing single member district. All you why, can you why can you satisfy it in a new single member district? What's the difference? Well, the difference is because you have made a change. You have made a change. Simply because there might be a violation because well, the change of change. may the change may go to your intent. The change may go to the to the measurement of the dilution which you make after the Gingles factors are satisfied. But I don't see it's what what it's got to do with the question whether you can satisfy the factors and in particular with the first one uh, any better or any worse whether it's a new single member district or an old single member district. If you have one person, I agree with you, Judge. If if you are looking at either a well, new if you or agree old, with me, then don't you also have to go back to your concession that there can be the possibility of a dilution claim in an existing single-member district? Don't you have to go back to your first answer to Justice Stevens? No, sir, because I'm looking at this as an intent to discriminate when you make a change. Yeah, but the intent to discriminate is a is is not a, the the essence of Section Two. This isn't a Fourteenth Amendment claim. That's correct. That's correct. The, the question here is whether 
the courts should take an existing single member district or a commission of three or a commission of five and judge that by an assumed model which is what the 11th Circuit has done. Well, here. you may have a very different, I mean, you do, it seems to me, have a very different argument when you, when you in effect, uh, say, well, uh, uh, where are you going to stop? Uh, are you going to impose a, a 100 uh, uh, member commission and so on on us? But that's a, that's a very different uh, argument. There are no workable standards. If, regardless of whether you have one or three or five, if courts start coming in and trying to determine a vote dilution, not by the existing model, but by some assumed commission of it's whatever. Not some assumed, and I think the concession is made is you just couldn't pick a number that would happen to give you proportional representation. The number that that has been picked here and is allegedly the benchmark is the most frequent form, the five-member commission. It's not. It's, it's just a number that is pulled out of a hat. The. The Soul County Commissioner form in Georgia is the third most popular form in Georgia. It's true that five is the most common form, but that doesn't mean that uh, it's the only form or the but only At least five. it's an answer to your argument that where do you stop? You can have 20 members just as long as you come up with the number that happens to give you a representative. Well, assume that we have a commission of 10 members. Should be, and that's the situation in Clark County, Georgia. Should be, we be required to go up to 25 in order to assure a certain. I think the, the answer is that the only position taken in this case is that where you have bent what they call benchmarks, the five or three, that you can use those. Not that you could use anything other than those. That you must have solid precedent for those. Your Honor. I disagree that that is a benchmark in Georgia. There are counties with all different sizes. It's a question of local and state interest in determining the size because every county is different. They have different geographies, different ideologies, different needs. And simply because most counties have five doesn't mean that, it's, that the citizens in one county or another must have five or must have three simply because that's the most popular form. When the state it's, proposed uh, changing this single commissioner system for this county, they did propose. A, was it wasn't it a five-member board that was proposed? Was yes, it five, five, six? five plus one at large. It was uh, a referendum. The general assembly passed legislation authorizing a referendum to go to a six-member commission, five from districts and one at large. There was very little interest in the black community in that, in that referendum. It was a tax issue. Uh, there had been a, an abalorum tax change in the county by the commissioner. Voters were unhappy with it. The referendum was held whether to change the commission, and the voters in the county, only 25 percent of whom voted, voted in favor of keeping their sole commissioner. In school board district number two, which is the majority black school board district, the measure passed by only two votes. And there was very little organized interest in the black community at all in that referendum. Were those, those were not, were they at the same time, the school board and the commissioner? No, Your Honor. Four years earlier, the county had decided to go to five single-member districts for the school board. So it's, it's not a question of whether the county is racist or polarized. The county voters decided they preferred five single-member districts for the school board. 
as far as our county governing authority is concerned, one is what the citizens there prefer. Who pays the county commissioners? The county commissioner is paid by taxpayers. He, um, he has regular office hours in the Blakely County Courthouse. He conducts regular monthly meetings. If he has to make a policy decision, he advertises it in the local newspaper. He uh, makes $32,500 a year. And it's have you made the argument that it would cost more to have a five-member commission? Yes, that's, that is the reason, that is the primary reason local voters like what they have. If, if you need your road scraped, if you need anything that the county commissioner has authority to do, you walk into his office and you talk to him about it. It is a very efficient, economical, workable system, and he's immediately responsive to the voters. He well, runs is his salary determined? Is that fixed by state law? Or? Yes. Yes. In these five-member uh, commission districts, are the salaries of the commissioners fixed by state law, too? They would be, yes. If, and if it, it, would it cost the county five times as much to have five commissioners instead of one, or are they a lesser salary because they only have legislative duties? If they, uh, if they were only part-time, which I assume they would be, then they would, make, they would make less money, but then the county would be required to hire a county administrator to manage the day-to-day -day functions of the, of the office. I'm just wondering if your financial concern might be met by hiring your one administrator to do most of the work and then have these five commissioners on a part-time, low-salaried basis. All you'd have is the small amount of additional salary for the part-time. It, it might be met, Your Honor, but the point I want to make here is that the single county commissioner is what the government, the local citizens in that body desired. Simply because there's one person to fill that office doesn't make it magical. The question here is whether, under the Jingles test, the court has the authority or should take on the responsibility. Would you take the same position if the evidence showed that uh, it wouldn't cost a penny more, you'd get volunteers, and there wouldn't be any interference with the efficiency of government? It's just an absolute rule, regardless of how trivial the state justification might be. I would take the same position that the existing single-member form of government in Blakely County of the Act. is not subject to challenge as dilutive, dilutive right. of minority voting strength. And I would like to reserve the remainder of my time, please. Very well, Mr. Murphy. Mr. Coates, we'll hear now from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the district court judge, after he heard all of the evidence in this case announced from the bench, but having run for public office himself, I guarantee you under these circumstances, I wouldn't run if I were black in Blackley County. You're going to put your hard-earned time and shoe leather campaigning through this county under these circumstances. The Court of Appeals found that voting in Blackley County is along racial lines. At present, the only polling place in this county, which consists of 219 square miles, is an all-white private club. Between 1978 and 1986, 224 persons were appointed to serve as poll managers in Blackley County, and not one of the 224 appointees were black persons. Do you think uh, perhaps the same statement could have been made at least 20 years ago with respect to the President of the United States? If I were a black person, I wouldn't run for President of the United States? Yes, sir. Because you don't stand a chance of getting elected? Yes, sir. And d does that render that uh, unlawful? No, sir. That system of, uh, of government, one uh, elected president? No, sir, because the president of the United States 
has traditionally been a true single-member office in this country. He's a member of the executive branch. There must be one decision-maker as president of the United States. The governing body that we're talking about here today is a body, the Blackley County Commission, that carries out legislative functions as well as executive functions. What about, what about the governorship of some, of some, uh, some states? Uh, if, if you could make the same statement about the governorship, do you think that would be a violation of the Voting Rights Act? No, sir, because I think, again, the governorship of a state is a true single-member office. This, this is not a statute that, that talks about intent. I don't see how whether it's a true single-member or a non-true single-member has anything to do with it. There's nothing like that in the statute. Well, the question... You know, when you say it's not a true single-member, that implies, you know, this has been done, made a single-member with the intent of, of, of disadvantaging blacks. But this is not an intent statute. Well, Section it 2... It's to the consequence, whatever the intent was, doesn't it? Uh, no, sir. Section 2 has both an intent and result component. Oh, uh, what is the intent it. component? The in, uh, that? Section 2 has been construed uh, to prohibit uh, racially motivated voting procedures, which would be the same as prohibited by the 14th Amendment. It requires Amendment. intent. No, sir, it does not. It has a double well, standard. Then, then my question stands. You don't need intent to make it invalid. So why would it make any difference whether this was a natural one-person district or, or not a natural one? Only the, only the only thing that goes to show is that somebody had a bad intent. But you don't need a bad intent to show a violation here. I think that, uh, um, Your Honor, the, uh, the, the response to that question would be that one would have to look at what the Congress was intending to prohibit or to address in enacting Section 2 in 1982. And if you but look you, at... Do you think that Congress really did intend in Section 2 to authorize uh, dilution claims to, to the various single-member offices found around the country? Um, my position. Sheriff, county treasurer, county attorney, so forth and so forth. <laughs> no, I do not. I do not think that if it's a true single-member office that carries out legislative functions and uh, carries out executive functions and not legislative functions, that I think the Congress did not intend to reach those offices. But it certainly didn't, in language in the statute, draw a legislative or executive distinction, did it? That's correct, Your Honor. But looking at the legislative history, <laughs> the principal problem that the Congress was addressing in enacting the Voting Rights Act was the dilution of minority voting strength at the legislative body process. And I think that that's the distinction that should be drawn here uh, with regards to true single-member offices and legislative offices. The statute doesn't apply to executive offices, is that it? Section 2 does not address executive offices. It does. Uh, there was not an intent by Congress in enacting the statute to increase, to allow Section 2 plaintiffs to increase the number of true True, true single-member office. I've spent much of my life in administrative law trying to figure out what's executive and what's legislative, and, and, but you, you very clearly see that some things are truly executive and other things are truly legislative. Yes, sir. And you, this is truly legislative, this, this particular office. The uh, uh, Blackley County Commission right. is both uh, has all the legislative powers, powers of the governing authority in Blackley County as well as the executive powers. But a test can... Uh, what, what about federal agencies that, that can issue regulations? Are, are they executive agencies or not? Uh, 
they, uh, my understanding would be that they would be executive agents. Even though they can make all sorts of rules just the way this, uh, this county commission can, right? But they would not be legislative bodies. Why? Because they do not have the power to, uh, to govern in the sense of passing ordinances that they a local... regulations. It's the same things as ordinances. You violate them, you go to jail. Well, in the, uh, in the traditional sense, they do not have the authority to legislatively enact laws or ordinances uh, that a county commission or a city council or a general assembly of a state would. Well, you mean they're not responsible to, a, directly responsible to an electorate? That's, that's another distinction, Your Honor. Well, do you, do you really have to uh, rest your case on this distinction? Well, I, I thought your argument rested at least uh, uh, equally well, and, and I guess I would suggest maybe more strongly, uh, on, your, on your reference to tradition, uh, in effect, as, 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 as a source of benchmark. And if you do that, you don't have to get wrapped up in the question of whether uh, someone is performing an executive or a legislative function. You, you in effect, look to, to some historical basis, if you can find one, for your benchmark. Well, the benchmark goes to the, the question that was raised by the county here concerning how uh, and to what limit there would be a limitation on the expansion of representatives on the local government. No, I realize that, but doesn't it equally address the question whether the office uh, in, in issue is one which may be subject to a Section 2 claim if, it's a, if, as a, if, if it is, as in this particular case, a, a single-member office? I think the, uh, the benchmark test would go to that question, and you would look to tradition um, in this country of having a distinction between legislative offices, which are normally multi-member boards, and executive offices, which are normally... Why do you have to get office? executive and legislative in there at all? Why don't you just look to the number of the office? Yes. Well, uh, in, in response to uh, the question by Justice Scalia, I was uh, responding in that manner. But the benchmark that... that no, we do, you, do you concede that it is essential to make a legislative-executive distinction uh, in, in order to support your position in this case? Not for this particular case. But in response to his question, I was answering it. In, in, well, in that way. Did, Mr. Coates, you, you said, I, I thought in response to Justice Souter's question, that what, you look all around the country for a benchmark so that even if all of the 250 or whatever it is counties they have in, in Georgia all had single commissioners, uh, you might find a benchmark out in the state of Oregon, say, where perhaps they all had, the counties had five member commissioners? No, sir. I think that the uh, first place you would look to a benchmark would be to the state because that would determine the state's policy. And so if, if you found all single commissioners in Georgia, uh, could you look any further? I think that that would be a much more difficult case because if Georgia had a statute that provided that every county would have a sole commissioner, then there would be a strong argument in this case that the state policy required the sole commissioner form of government. But, but of course, it, it wouldn't be conclusive? Uh, and it, it would not be, uh, uh, I think it would be a much more difficult case whether or not some uh, council uh, could construct an argument that would say that you could look to Oregon. Uh, I, I just don't know. But in this case, 159 counties exist in Georgia. Only uh, my count's a little bit different. Uh, 11 counties have the sole commissioner form. Texas, yes. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, there are only 11 uh, counties in Georgia that have a sole commissioner form of the, government. 11, the number is 11, not 14? Yes, ma'am, I think it is. The, the district court went with you, as I understand it, the first two steps of the way. 
Where the District Court and the Court of Appeals divided was on what has been called the second two Gingles factors. And would you explain on, on what basis you think that your case meets those second two requirements, the cohesiveness and on the part of the minority community and the block voting on the part of the majority community? Well, well the, uh, the Court of Appeals uh, held that the analysis applied to the issue of racial block voting by the district court judge was too narrow. The district court held that in, in making that analysis uh, or determination that uh, he was uh, limited to statistical analysis in determining the existence or non-existence of racial block voting. The Court of Appeals uh, held that uh, you could look to other antidotal evidence uh, in the case that addressed the issue of racial polarization, such as the fact that uh, uh, when black people go to vote in Blackley County, that there would be in an uh, eight-year period uh, 224 black ma white managers and no black managers, for example. Uh, the, uh, the Court of Appeals said that one could look at... Well, then the you wouldn't have to look at anything other than if you had a minority population, that would always be the case. And then no single member uh, system would be permissible. There was no... There was no proof of any kind with respect to the division of the votes at the time of the referendum, minority-majority votes for and against, was there? That's correct, because in 1986, the uh, eight existing precincts that had, had existed in 1984 had been consolidated into one precinct, and under a one-precinct situation, regression analysis is not po possible because you need at least two or more precincts to compare to do the regression analysis. So there was, it was not a possibility uh, for the uh, uh, plaintiffs in this case to offer a statistical showing uh, concerning the 1986 referendum. But the, the uh, Court of Appeals uh, pointed to uh, footnote 25 of this court's opinion in the Jingles uh, uh, case and read that footnote to say that the district court was incorrect in ruling that you looked at only statistical evidence and uh, allowed uh, a broader look and on that basis uh, came to the conclusion that the district court had erred. What is the broader look other than that when, when you have a unit that has a majority population and a minority population, the chances are that you will have a, a representative from the majority group? The, the broader look was the continuing racial segregation and polarization within the county which created an impediment for black candidates or black for black candidates to solicit white votes or for uh, black voters to form coalitions with white voters and that continuing uh, polarization was evidence sufficient in, a, in addition to the statistical evidence that the plaintiffs offered to satisfy the uh, racial polarization requirement in jingles. If, if you have a, a, a jurisdiction in which, say, there are four races, and one race is 10 percent, and that race has had difficulty in electing its representative, um, I take it under your principle we have to go to proportional representation and have, say, a 10-person commission? No, sir. Uh, you, uh, first of all, uh, our position is that the increase and the number of representatives on the governing authority 
would first be determined by looking at the state law benchmark. And the state law benchmark in this case, I believe, is five. It would not be ten. Secondarily, this court held in 1972 in the Beans case, I think it's 67th Minnesota versus Beans, that uh, minor deviations are allowed from the state choice concerning the number of representatives. If the deviation from the state benchmark were more than minor, then Beans would tend to teach that that alteration would not be allowed. Well, let me put it this way. If there were a benchmark that permitted a governing body of a size which would give proportional representation to the excluded race, then it is your position that they would have to reconform the district accordingly, is it not? Uh, In the case that I put. It might be, but the... So uh, basically what you have is proportional representation in every case. No, sir. No, because the increase there, Your Honor, would be not because of the claim of proportional representation, but because the uh, expansion would be tied to the benchmark established by state law, as is the case here. But but what is the objective? The objective is to allow racial representation. No, sir. uh, In in this case, I would respectfully beg to differ. The court did not say, the Court of Appeals did not say in suggesting the use of the five single-member district plan that that was done to effectuate proportional representation. It chose the five single-member district plan because it would have been choosing an alternative system which was established by a benchmark of state policy. Which came, which came the closest to giving proportional representation. It had that incidental effect. Yes. Incidental? It was all object Well, it. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Suppose that the, uh, uh, we, we, have, we affirm the finding that there should be a five-member district. Uh, those districts would have to be drawn on a race-conscious basis to comply with your theory, would they not? The, uh, uh, if, the, if the plan was drawn uh, as the Board of Education, if the, the Board of Education plan was adopted, then I do not think that it would be fair to say that that would be drawn on, on strictly a race-conscious basis because that is the very plan adopted by the Georgia General Assembly in 1983 for school board elections. So, so what the Court of Appeals was suggesting... Suppose there, were no, suppose there were no existing precincts, and this case goes back. Is race a factor in drawing the new district lines? Yes, sir. It has to be, doesn't it, so that there can be proportional representation? No, it does not have to be because of proportional representation. It would have to be because if the finding of vote dilution, Your Honor, is affirmed by this court, then the district court, in determining the remedy, would have the responsibility of implementing a plan that would cure the vote dilution effect. And that would be the general standard. Coates, uh, we, we said in Chisholm versus Reamer, and I didn't agree with our saying it, but we said it, and maybe we said it in order to get around this problem of uh, converting Section 2 against its plain text into a provision that provides proportional representation. We said that you have to show two things, not just uh, uh, inability to elect, but you have to show, in addition, uh, uh, lack of uh, opportunity, equal opportunity, to participate. In other words, we read the two clauses of Section 2 as being cumulative. Now, has there, what, what lack of, opportun- of, of equal opportunity to participate does there exist in this situation? To, uh, doesn't, doesn't everybody in the county, when voting for this one member, participate in the electoral process equally? 
No, sir. No? No, sir. And I, I, I understand how you say they can't elect uh, uh, by race uh, with, with as much facility, but, but, but how do they participate in unequally? Yes. They do not participate equally, black and white people in Blackley County, because the fact that there would be 224 people appointed as poll managers over an eight-year period, and not one of those people would be black, would show that participation in the voting process in this county is manifestly not equal. Black people have to go to the polls, but they are run by white people. There was testimony in the case that that deterred some black people from voting. They have to go to the polls and vote in an all-white private club. That's not equal uh, participation. Do they have the same ballot? Yes, sir, they do. They yeah. vote for the same people? Yes, sir. They're not excluded from the polls? Nobody excludes them from the polls? The choice of having all white like managers... saying that they cannot elect a member of their own race, and that affects the outcome. But that's the elect provision, not the participate provision. Yes, sir. Well, the, uh, the Congress said in Section 2, and it's right on the, in the face of the statute, that the, in a, the failure of, of, of a minority group member to be elected is one factor to be taken into consideration in deciding whether the, the system is vote dilutive. There are many cases that come to this court, such as Jingles, where there has been some success by minority candidates. In this case, on a countywide basis since 1912, there has been zero success. If the minority population were 12 percent, you would have no case? Is that... Are you recognizing that? If the, uh, if the, instead of being close to 20, it was 12 percent. If the, uh, the, if the benchmark for testing the sufficiency and size requirement were five, as we maintain it is in this case, then uh, if the minority population were 12, that would create severe problems for satisfying the size and compactness requirement of jingles. I haven't done that mathematically. I haven't done that hypothetical. Your Honor, but I would concede that it would create a problem in, in satisfying the sufficiency and size requirement under the, the benchmark. The, we these practices of having all white commissioners uh, or, or poll watchers, uh, can that not be challenged separately under Section 2 or under the 14th Amendment? Yes, sir, and I have filed such a suit. If, if we were to change the, the, the facts that you've given us, and if the county had been, from your standpoint, perhaps more prudent, uh, and had been careful to, uh, to appoint uh, a, uh, a racial mixture among its poll watchers, and if it had set up polling places in public schools and so on, are you conceding that you would not have a case? No, sir. I would not concede that I wouldn't have a case, but certainly that would take away uh, the antidotal evidence, the non-statistical evidence of racial polarization that the Court of Appeals pointed to. And you would be left simply with the question, you would be left simply with the fact in, uh, under those circumstances that there had never been a, uh, a, a black commissioner. Well, I wouldn't be left with just that fact. For example, there what was... El a, what else would you have? Well, for example, there was a finding by the district court affirmed by the Court of Appeals that black people in Blackley County continue to suffer from the effects of racial discrimination in housing and employment in areas like that. Well, what's that, that got to do with participation? Because, uh, under, under Section 2. Because that's one of the factors that the Senate report pointed to is bearing upon the question of equal participation. And both the district court, I think importantly, and the Court of Appeals found that that uh, present depressed socioeconomic status 
hindered the ability, and this is what the district court said, even though that judge ruled against us, hindered the ability of black people to vote and run for office. Only 15% of the black people in Blackley County have high school educations Mr. in a system like Could you have another referendum? The state proposed it in 85 or 86, and it seemed that there wasn't much of an interest in, in either community in voting in that referendum. But if, if the preference, the strong minority preference is for five-member commission, could you have a, another referendum? If the uh, Georgia General Assembly authorized the, uh, the holding of another referendum, yes, you could, Your Honor. Do you have any information in this record about what happened in the other counties? Now we've got this number that's now dwindled to 11, and they went from one to a larger number. Yes, uh, yes, Your Honor, there is a, uh, uh, in the, uh, the appendix there have been uh, uh, the consent orders in some of the cases which have been settled. Uh, for example, in uh, uh, Webster, uh, Webster County, uh, there was a sole commissioner. Uh, there was an expansion uh, to a three-member commission elected from single-member districts and an at-large commissioner who would serve as a county administrative official. So that's how in, in, uh, in one of the counties that uh, the problem has been resolved. There has, there's no evidence that uh, in any of these counties have the cases been resolved on the basis of expanding the membership of a sole commissioner to 50 or 100 commissioners. Suppose that throughout Georgia the choice were between having either a one uh, commissioner system or a three commissioner system. And suppose further that in Blackley County uh, the increment from one to three would not result in the election of any represent, represent, representatives of the black community. What then would be your position as the appropriate remedy? Could the court then order five? That would be a much more difficult case because there would be a policy, a state policy applied across the board to counties that would uh, establish either a one-person commission or a three-person commission. But if it's necessary to cure a violation, how can a state policy thwart a federal statute? Uh, because uh, in determining the benchmark for the increase, I believe that it would be appropriate for the federal courts to give deference to the state policy established in that benchmark. The, state, the, the federal courts would not be at liberty to just create uh, numbers so as to achieve some type of proportional representation, but they, but the but not court. not give deference to the county policy. I mean, you're you're willing to have uh, have us override the county voters who who want one, even though the state wants to defer to those county voters. Yes. But, but somehow we can't override the state. That, the county is that it? That's correct, Your Honor. Because the, the is there some in, principle of law that uh, that that yes, sir. It is mentioned in the legislative history of Section Two where it says that in determining whether or not a state's policy is tenuous, you look to how the state has treated other jurisdictions in its state. The state policy is not established by 
what happens in Bleckley County. The state policy is established by comparing how Bleckley County is treated with other counties Mr. in the state. Mr. Coates, I don't find anything, actually, in Section 2 that says you defer to state policy. If you find vote dilution, then there's a violation and a federal remedy is required. The, uh, the only place that it is referred to is not in the face of the statute, but in the seven Senate factors, the tenuous, tenuousness of the state policy. In is, looking at the totality of the circumstances to determine the dilution question, right? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. That, that would be one, one of the factors that uh, a court would, would appropriately look at. dilution is found, then I suppose a remedy is required. Yes, the only analysis that I'm saying or uh, presenting to the court is that the federal court would not be permitted to completely disregard the, uh, the, the state's uh, policy. Well, and that's not what happened It's a little hard to, to read the limiting principle into the language of the statute. Yes. Well, isn't it the nub of your argument that dilution is, is in effect a, uh, a, a question uh, involving comparisons? And what the appropriate comparison may be, you assume, uh, Congress uh, intended to be established by looking to traditional practice within a state. Yes, sir. That That's correct. The state, the state practice establishes the, uh, uh, the benchmark. And it would be a different case. So ultimately you're saying what is an appropriate comparison is a question of, of congressional intent, and, and congressional intent was look to what uh, they have been doing within the state for other possible reasonable comparisons. That's correct, because the, the fa- I think Section 2 shows that there's a, a demonstrated federal interest to cure the problem of vote dilution uh, in, in, in the, in the uh, uh, United States. I mean, it's nationwide. And so uh, if there's di- vote dilution found and there's a federal interest in correcting that, then if you're going to give some special weight to the state's interest, it at least ought to be an interest that has been applied by the state in some type of systematic manner. No. You, you talk about vote dilution as though it's something objective, and, and but you've told us it isn't objective, that there's no such thing as vote dilution if you've had a single-member office all along. That isn't vote dilution, even though the same system set up somewhere else is vote dilution if, uh, I don't know, if it hasn't been a uniform state policy. If, if I, I, if I said there was... What dilution means? It's, it's a meaningless... Uh, uh, term. It's, it's entirely relative, isn't it? Well, I, if I said that there wasn't vote dilution under the single commissioner form in Blackley County, I did not intend to, to say that. No, no, but you said in another state there wouldn't be. If another state had all, all single-member single people, that wouldn't be vote dilution, even though the votes would be diluted to the same degree, but that wouldn't be, quote, vote dilution, as you've been talking about. Isn't that right? It would, it would depend upon the, the particular circumstances or evidence in that particular jurisdiction. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Coates. Mr. Murphy, you have three minutes remaining. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. We have a county of 10,000 people. Seventy percent of the registered voters, black and white, are registered. Voter registration is equal for both blacks and whites. They vote equally in all elections, the same percentages, 29 to 30 to 31 percent is the same. They have an equal opportunity to participate in that county, whether they are voting for one sole commissioner, one sheriff, or one school board district member. We're not talking about benchmarking 
in order to prove a Section 2 claim. We're talking about bootstrapping. In these other counties that, that went from 1 to 3, 1 to 3, why didn't they go 1 to 5? Because 3 guaranteed proportional representation. If 5 is the benchmark, these other sole commissioner counties that have decided to change should have gone to 5. If we're talking about benchmarking, should the Texas legislature, which has only 31 members, be expanded to meet the modal size of state legislatures in this country? There are no workable limits if we start changing or expanding the size of government to determine a vote dilution claim. You look at the existing number of seats. This court refused in the Benz case referred to by Mr. Coates to order a reduction of 50% in the state Senate of Minnesota and 25% in the House of Representatives. This court refused that change even for a constitutional violation. We are talking about a 500% change in the size of the governing body for this small county. That is not a minor change. Mr. Coates also referred to sheriffs as having executive authority, but sheriffs make many decisions which affect minorities. Hiring minority deputies, enforcing the laws as to minorities, providing patrols for minority neighborhoods, all of those actions affect minority voters. You Mr. Cannot Murphy, if we were to look at the district court decision and go that far, reject your argument as far as the district court did, what would your argument be about what it would take to satisfy the factors that the Court of Appeals found were not satisfied in this case, the block voting and cohesiveness? Let's say that you lose on your main argument, and we're back in the district court, and the district court says, in my view, this case fails for lack of proof on those two items. What would be adequate proof? Adequate proof of political cohesion would be proof that uh, minorities get together to sponsor candidates, that they run a candidate. No minority has ever run for any countywide office in the 81-year history with the exception of one election for probate judge in 1984. But as long as no minority runs for office in that county, then it's certain that no minority will win election. Thank you, Mr. Murphy. The case is submitted.